Welcome to Vicarious, an unfiltered and unapologetic take on life as seen through the lens of two mates living a nomadic lifestyle traveling the world together. This is your go-to space for unfiltered truths, unapologetic perspectives, and a no-holds-barred exploration of the multifaceted world we navigate every day. As Charlie's taken a quick trip home back to Perth, in episode six, we welcome back my main gal, Gabby Simmons, who joins me to co-host the show. Some of what we covered on today's show includes whether friends with benefits can actually work, feeling out of place in your home country, choosing the bad boy over the nice guy, Gabby shares her thoughts on dating apps and one night stands, and five ways guys can be better in bed from a female's perspective. I always have fun shooting the shit with Gabby, so hope you guys enjoy listening to this episode as much as I did recording it. Anyways, back to the show. Baby, Gabby, she's back. I miss you. Back. It took a while to get here. Well, Char- Charlie is uh, Charlie's back home in Perth, so um, we've decided to get Gabby on the show. It's going to be a little bit of a different, uh, different, shaking things up here. So last time we spoke to you, Gabs, you were in Thailand living your best life. Um, now, whereabouts are you now? Are you back home or? Oh, Yeah. I am back home in Maine. I ended up going to Sri Lanka after Thailand to finish off my trip. So that's where I actually ended my almost three months of Southeast Asia travel. And I took that flight back home and I've been home since. Well, I've actually hopped around. Every week I'm in a different place and I've been to Charleston. Yeah, that's right. That's when we we were meant to do a podcast and then you just ditched me. Um... We're meant to do a podcast with Sonia and you just, just, just didn't show up. I mean, that's, that's one way to treat somebody, I guess. The thing is, as well, when you were in Charleston, I know you were, you were out drinking and it would have been an absolute shit show of a podcast with Sonia chiming in every two minutes. Um, so, yeah, me and her haven't got off on the right foot yet. I don't know. Well, maybe we're more of an in-person like bonding, bond, but, you know. So how does it feel to be back in the U.S.? America! America! I thought it was going to be just fireworks, 4th of July energy. I thought it was going to be amazing. I was going to see my family. I was going to be like, yes, this is going to be a blast. But I think for the first time in my life, I have a culture shock coming back to the U.S. instead of going away from the U.S. And I think adapting to different cultures like the Asian culture I didn't expect it to be part of me so heavily and to acculturate so well that coming back to America I'm jarred I'm like floored I'm sitting here and I'm looking at the food everyone's eating I'm hanging out with my friends I'm seeing my family and the way they live their life and it's so scary compared to what I've been living in the healthy lifestyle I've gotten to do and I think I've just been on this health and wellness kick. It's kind of hard not to when you're in Ubud. Yeah, when there's like a fucking raw cafe every two meters. Yeah. In, in, in Southeast Asia, for example, we always talk about Southeast Asia. There's other places, but you just are getting up. You're spending a couple dollars on like a hearty meal that's vegetables and fruit and like homemade. And then I'm coming here and I'm like, the shit we're putting in our body, the conversations we're having... The sad diet, standard American diet. Yeah, and it's not. No, it's not even just that. And you're, just so people know, you're vegan, right? 
We're using the V. We're using the V word. We could say I'm almost vegan. Wait, so you're not vegan? I'm actually serious. Are you not vegan? I indulge in cheese. Every oh, okay. Sorry, I forgot. You're a fake vegan. That's fine. <laughs> no, you're vegetarian. Are you vegan? Are you like part of the vegan club? Yeah. Sorry, I'm gonna have to call you. No. So the reason I asked that asked that is because Charlie and I were having a chat the other day about him looking at being more plant based. We're just looking at like health and longevity. Um, you know, yes. investing live in your to 100. Bit. Yeah, live to 100. Um, those documentaries, the blue zones, all that sort of thing. Um, now, obviously, the, my reasoning for being vegan is more sort of those, those, those reasons. Um, but yeah, I think that's one of the reasons you and I clicked really well. It's just we had a lot in common just over that, over that longevity. We spoke for like an hour straight. The first time we ever hung out, just about, I believe it was like just about health, longevity. And the we could speak diet. for hours and hours. This podcast could go on for a week straight. Yeah, no, and I totally agree with what you say about when you go home and you feel like almost a fish out of water. Um, I felt that as well going back for a little while in September. I was only back in home for two weeks. But I think for people like you and I, we just we, we thrive outside of our natural habitat. It's kind of interesting that, that way. Yeah. Um, but uh, so do you think you, I mean, I know you're planning to build a house in Maine, but like, do you see yourself like living there permanently at some point or? I don't see myself living anywhere permanently, but I do see myself. <laughs> I have a little bit of commitment issues, I guess. <laughs> I'm actually incapable of fully committing to anything. And it, it just gives me anxiety to imagine that I'd have to be so the only thing in my friendships that is complete that is it that I can be like you're gonna be with me the rest of my life but everything else like I don't know what travel's done to me but I feel like a crackhead like I go home and I have to leave in a week I'm like I can't be here longer than a week this is boring I gotta move on and I don't I don't want to get Peter Pan syndrome but I feel like I've got it a little bit you and I both uh, yeah Peter Peter Pan and Tinkerbell over here Peter Pan well, I'm not following your ass around, that's for sure. Your answer is, I do yeah. plan to build a tiny home here. I, I love the opportunity is here to get an Airbnb and like rent it out and come home to see my family. But long term, no. Like I will have the home in Maine for the summers that I'll use it and the rest will be rented out. I just need roots somewhere in America. Just one place that's normal yeah. to live. And I, I, ideally Hawaii. I think that's a little out of our price range at this stage of uh, our lives, but I would like to think, yeah, in a few years time, you know, um, Hawaii and, I, you know, I mentioned to you yesterday that I'd love to spend a bit of time in NYC. I just think that would be such a cool experience. I've always wanted to live in New York City. I think as a, even when I was like 14, I remember watching like American TV shows and be like, I would, I'd love to live in New York City for a little while, even if it's a couple of months. So I think once this you know, work situation that starts becoming permanent full time and I'm more consistent and got more security around it. I think I would love to do a bit of time there, but I'd have to, I would have to find a way to like home, home sit or volunteer because I can't afford, even with full time, that is $3,000 a month, New York City rents. Nobody can afford it. Yeah, no, no one, let's be honest, no one's afford, no one's living comfortably in New York unless you're on like 200 grand a year. Yeah, New York City's that place that you go for a, a short amount of time just to experience yeah. it. Everybody has to live in New York once in their life. That's what everyone... Yeah, even like, yeah, a couple months. It doesn't have to be a year. It doesn't have to be a long time. Just like get a feel for that, that lifestyle. I think because London, I hated. London is 
London's like New York for Europe, but it's not in like in terms of just it's a it's a more miserable version in my opinion. So I think I'd like to experience the real thing at some point. You are basically your turnaround time from back home is like two weeks, right? Like three weeks. You're going back to Sri. You're going to Sri Lanka now. I'm flying out January twelfth. So America, almost a whole month. It's flown by. Yeah. It has. I got to spend time with my family for the holidays. I went to Charleston with Sonia. I've did some things, but. Yeah. The depression's creeping back in in Maine in the winter, and I had this revelation. I'm like, I don't actually think like that I could live in America, and this has never come upon me before. I've always just assumed, okay, I'm American. I'm gonna live in America. That's how it's gonna be. And for the first time, I'm like, I couldn't imagine living a healthy lifestyle here and being happy. Like fully happy, knowing what I know now about other places in the world. Now that you are, yeah, like the frog, the frog in the well story, right? Now you know what's outside that environment. The frog is, you know, you're not going to be happy just being in that well anymore. You had you only lived in Maine, and you might go, "Wow, Maine and the U.S. is the greatest place in the world," and like you know. But now you've seen what else is out there. It's just not for you. I mean. I totally agree with that. I think, like, I think as well with Aussies, we can be very like. I mean, we do love to travel as a as a population, like. But our version of traveling is like a week away, come back home. I think, which is fine. But some of us just get that uh, that curiosity, and just it never goes away. It's like an itch that can't ever be fully scratched. I think Aussies have such a looser lifestyle and not as much rigid. Rules, in my opinion, of what I've seen is that you're not actually expected to go to uni after high school, and that a lot of people are traveling and then going back home, working a trade, then traveling. It's very much more chaotic. Where in America, it's for any Australian, probably a lot of Australians are listening, but in America, I mean, to be an American and grow up there is to be fed this narrative from like one years old that America is it, and every other place is scary. And that this is like where everyone wants to be, and so this is what I grew up with. This is what I thought. I was like, "Oh, you make the most money in America. You do this in America. Like everything, America, America, America." It's crazy. The media as well, like how it portrays everything, and that we have the best food, the best technology, the best this. And I was having a conversation with someone at dinner tonight, and she's like, "Oh my God, I could never leave America. I would be so afraid." I'm like. It's crazy how brainwashed you should be afraid in America. We have gone. Yeah. So you're going to Sri Lanka, and you seem really obsessed with Sri Lanka. I'm still not really convinced. But what are you doing there? I mean, like, what's the plan when you get there? Oh yeah, yeah. The the what? I'm arriving. I'm texting my driver to come pick me up for fourteen thousand rupees. Okay, which is like one, four cents. I don't know. Well, no, he has to drive two hours to come pick me up. Hopping in that car, I'm going down to the southern coast of Sri Lanka to Welagama, and I, I'm gonna hop back in the hostel elsewhere. Oh my god, I shouldn't share this, but whatever. Who's gonna fly and come find me? Um, and then I'm gonna start going to the ice bath every day. I'm gonna get my motorbike back. I'm gonna go visit the other part of the southern coast that I didn't. So I'm gonna go see my favorite fruit stand. I'm gonna go to my favorite beach. I'm gonna eat my favorite smoothie bowl. I'm gonna like acclimate again and just get into the groove yeah. and feel the vibes. Sri Lanka comes alive in the streets, and you know I'm living in the streets. You belong to the streets. You you do belong to the streets. But it's not like. 
Ubud is like beautiful cafes, beautiful hostels. Everyone's in, immersed into something that was created in Ubud, like a business. But in Sri Lanka, it's very like everyone's just riding around the streets and surfing, grabbing fruit from a fruit stand, walking over to the beach, laying on the beach. Surf, like everything is just outside. There's no, there's no footpaths here in Ubud. There's nowhere to walk. Like that's that's something that I, um, you know, it wasn't. Uh, I didn't really love. But you're not gonna be there forever. You go to Vietnam. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm gonna be. Uh, yeah, Vietnam is the plan after Indo. I believe, yeah, that's my rough outline. Do a couple, do a month or so there. And I think I'll check back into Australia after that. Um, just tap into Tasmania. That's where my work is based. And that will just be like a, you know, get to meet all the rest of the team and whatnot. So you're going to Sri Lanka and, you know, you got a little bit of a love triangle there. What? Give us the goss. It's pathetic because it's... It's a half a triangle. It's two thirds of a triangle. The the last part connect doesn't exist. I haven't spoken to this last part in a month or over a month. So that's still up in the air. But uh, should I tell the story? You should tell the story. Of course you should. This is a platform for, for the story. This is a platform for my good story of uh, how two men that I have been with on this trip ended up in the same club at the same night in a country that they have no idea each other exists and that I have not been to with both of them there. And so I arrive in Sri Lanka, I meet a guy, beautiful lost Aussie man, a bloke, <laughs> hit it off. Great. Have a few days. Second, second best looking Aussie guy, you know, I would assume. Yeah. Cody is friends. Pretty good. Probably the first. <laughs> Third is no, the you're first. You're first. My, my Kendall. I'm going to dye my hair blonde to be Barbie. So I'm home in Maine scrolling on the the hostel chat i'm at the airport actually scrolling on the hostel chat come across the new year's video he posted in the chat i open up hit my guys you know video i look at it and i'm like holy fucking shit you know who's in the video is the guy that I fucked in the last? Oh, Joffrey! It's fucking Joffrey! Joffrey is in the video in Sri Lanka at the same club dancing in front of this guy that I just went. So I've got my two men. They have no idea each other exists. They have no idea they've both been inside of me. And they are just clubbing together at New Year's in Sri Lanka in front of each other and have no idea. And I'm sitting there. Oh, my God. And I have to go back to this. And they're both on the southern coast right now. I have been viewing stories, both in the wow. same area, probably the same town. Do you know what would be funnier is if I came with you and that we were pre like pretended like I was like we were together and like the whole time I was like you were like long distance with me back home and the whole time you were traveling and we just that would actually be the funniest thing. G-Dog would not give up. Oh. He would be like, oh, okay. That is interesting, our dynamic, though, and how we are friends. And when we do go out together, how, in my opinion, people think I'm with you. Yeah. I think it's a fair assumption when you show up to, like, a hostel together. Because usually, if you're traveling together, you're, like, as a guy and a girl, just by yourselves. You kind of are in a relationship. But I think... 
I think that what I've found and what I noticed is that guys that see us together, they will assume I'm your boyfriend. So they won't really make a pass at you because they are looking for like return on investment, right? So let's say there's a group of girls in the hostel or if I'm sitting next to you and I entered with you, they just assume, well, my time is probably better spent talking to these other girls who are clearly not with a guy. But with girls, because typically if in, in any situation, I would make that first contact with girls, it's not, they probably think that we're together, but because I give off that energy straight away to them, I'm like, hey, like, I'll talk to them first. They probably then assume, oh, well, no, they're not together. Or it's like, because I have to go out of my way to like talk to someone else. Whereas you're, I mean, you could do that with a guy, but typically the dynamic is like the guy will approach you. You're making out better in this dynamic. Let's just say that. Is that guys chase girls on a night out girls get chased here we are showing up together and you just get to go chase a girl and if she's like is that your girlfriend you can just explain it no guy's gonna chase me because of exactly return on investment and let's be honest like when i'm traveling most people are just dtf they're not looking for a partner like in a normal city like maybe back in oz you meet a girl and that could be your potential girlfriend but here they don't want a girlfriend they're traveling the world they have they're looking for a girlfriend for the night and like if they see you sitting next to a guy that and that you entered with him and it's you know we obviously are closest mates so they would probably just be like okay well she's probably with him or if they're not boyfriend and girlfriend they're like traveling as a couple i'll go somewhere else and so you don't get any attention but because I, because guys would naturally chase girls, I would, I went over and I chatted to a girl and they're like, oh, is that you? Who's, who are you with them? I was like, oh, Gabby, that's my friend. And so it sort of works out better for the guy than the girl if you're traveling as a duo. Leads me to a point I wanted to kind of like ask you about, but like friends with benefits, like does friends with benefits ever actually work out the way it was meant to be? Because in theory, friends with benefits is such a great concept. You get the best of both worlds. It's like, I just find that like the idea of it always is better than the actual thing. It's like coffee, right? The idea of a cup of coffee is so good and then you drink it and it's like, oh, yeah, it's good. But it's like, it never lives up to the hype of how that first sip is going to taste. It's like a relationship to me. Yeah. What are your thoughts on it? I mean, just to be clear, that's not what you and I are, but I just, it it was a great, uh, it was a great segue. Um, sure so are we gonna work daniel says is what i'm trying to ask i think friends with benefits if the intention is to just like pass time and have sex for an indefinite amount of time i think it does work i think it works up to a certain point where one person gets attached but it's inevitable that one person's gonna get attached like are we stupid like of course someone's gonna get attached if you regularly have sex with someone odds are one person's gonna get attached i mean 99 percent I've never met any person or any, I've never had any thing where it started out. I was like, yeah, yeah, we're just, just casual, just cook up, friends, benefits. And it's actually stayed that way without one of the two people wanting more out of it. And it's not always the girl that wants more out of it. Like there's certainly scenarios where the guy gets more involved emotionally, like, but it's never like impossible to do it over, like time, over time, the friends part decays and you get emotionally attached, um, 100%. Um, have you watched, do you watch Vanderpump Rules? It's a show, basically, it's a reality show. And every single relationship on the show that started out in season one has broken up. And the same thing every time is that they show them saying, we never have sex. 
our sex life is zero. We, you know, we haven't been intimate with each other. And then that shows them like cheating with somebody else within the group. And obviously it's very dramatic. It's a, it's a show, but I was just watching it yesterday and it was just hilarious listening to the, you know, cause it's 10 seasons in now, right? So it's 10 years in and literally most of the cast have been in relationships where, and they broken up because they weren't having sex and now they're with someone else in the group. And yeah, it's just, it's just kind of, it's just a per- perpetuating cycle. Um, but what's your hot take on open relationships? Cause I know that you and I had so many talks about this when we were hanging out and Charlie obviously has a, had a different opinion than, than I did. And, you know, so I'm just curious, like tell everyone, what, what, what's your, what's your view on it? I think everyone should try it. I think they should. I mean, if you are a very open-minded, progressive person that isn't super, you know, conservative or conventional in relationships, you should try it. I feel like if you don't try it, then that insatiability within you will only fester when you do get into a relationship. And I think you'll be like, what if it did work? And what if we could open up? But say Angel is someone that has done the open relationship for years and she's only 21, 20, 21 now. And like she did it for years and she knows the dynamics and what it takes and the wounds that it surfaces and like, you know, the parts of you that need healing and that are actually really insecure because, you know, you're not offered that security all the time and you're put in these positions that really push you. But do I think that like long term, I mean, not really. I I think most cases it's just going to lead to resentment heartbreak i mean inevitable lack of desire that the thing is right is by 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 nature of the very meaning of the word desire it's short it's short term because for example if you use the analogy of a big mac okay so you desire you're hungry you want junk food you desire a big mac so you have one big mac okay then you want another big mac because it's so good after a while let's say you had three big macs you would no longer desire a Big Mac anymore because you've got too much of it and you, it's going to go insane. away. And that's the thing is like desire is something that will inevitably fade over time. And that's not a bad thing. It's just a way we're wired. Like it, too much of any good thing eventually will, there's a diminishing return on it. I so think, what do we do about that? Well, I think that like I was saying, you know, in the episode, my solution was to, first of all, you can't be open after you've already been monogamous. You have to be open from the beginning, but it has to be clearly defined boundaries that, you know, it's not like you go out on the weekend and you sleep with a random dude. It's like you both at the same night, you go to a party, go to an event, you, you, you know, this could be years into a relationship, but you go, to, you go there, you both leave having had sex with a, with a complete stranger there's no emotions. It's just a transactional experience. And you leave knowing that you're with the person you love, but as human beings, naturally, we maybe, you know, our, our desires lead us elsewhere and we just, you know, you get out of your system. And, you know, I think that could be a solution, but whether or not it's an effective one, it remains to be seen. But yeah. Sure. Sure. I just, sometimes I just don't know if I have the answer yet because I feel like we're in such a transitional period like generationally we're like we're ending the dynamic of getting one partner and committing and getting married and i just like we haven't had enough you know time pass by to see 
how our generation, this new age technology develops with long term. You know, I can't predict it anymore. I'm like, okay, yeah, we want open relationships. We want to have our cake and eat it too. But then that just leads to like terrible things and you just want love and commitment. But then if you do get love and commitment, you're bored and then you go back. And so it's like, what the, I don't, I, I have to wait. I have to see what we end up doing and how this plays out. I just wish that I could like bounce 150 years in the future and look back on how like, these upcoming generations with technology lived their life. And if any had long-term committed relationships or what did work, what was successful, how did they redefine? Because, <clears throat> and how do we do that? I'm, this is a serious question is that I've been having this worry that I can never fully open up to someone and like let myself go. I am, I know you talk about me getting emotionally attached to everyone that I sleep with, which I get emotionally involved but not attached well every guy you have sex with it's like there's a massive passion and love story there and you know obviously you're a you're a quality over quantity gal um yeah at this stage my my habibi over here (laughs) i mean he's a quantity (laughs) keep it going halfway through do you think your friend would want to join later Why do you think it is that you get emotionally, you know, involved with every, every guy, every kill count, every kill that you have? Because I'm a feeler. I'm a feeler. I'm a lover. I'm emotional. I write poetry. I've always been super <laughs> sensitive and I've always loved connection. You write poetry? You do, actually. And that's one of my I, biggest passions. I, I didn't know you actually. No, I knew that. I knew, I'm just being a dick. I do feel and I think and I crave depth in everything. Like I, I really crave connection with someone like what is the point of life if I'm just like living it methodically and just like you know day to day and like I'm just meeting people having how's the weather how's this or like hey do you just want to have sex to get off on each other I think there's just like a blockage there with people that do that and I really do crave like souls meshing that's just type of person I am and that it is a spiritual experience and I'm not there to get off I to be honest like it's not my main goal I mean, yeah, it feels really good, but like the whole act of like. How often do you actually get off from a one night stand or from a random guy? I mean, I've only, I haven't been with many. I've been with maybe five, like my first night. Okay, let's say first night with like all of them. I mean, yeah, I'm getting, I mean, yeah, I'm getting off. Really? So you must be, okay, interesting. Yeah. Uh, Most girls say like it's not really a thing the first time, like one night stand but I guess it's a difference because it's not totally a one night stand it's like you've already built a connection this is what I'm talking about is if you build a connection with someone and have a conversation all of us like d-dog whatever bringing you back to these men that I've met has been on the blue pill for years are you serious for years he's only 25 what the fuck? Because he just can't get hard. And so we had talked about this. We had grown a connection. And then the night we first have sex, he doesn't need one for the first time in his, like, years in his life. You've cured like, it. I don't understand. He, yeah, he said, he's like, you literally got me off him. And I'm like, no, it's not me that got you off of them. It's, to be honest, I don't think men want to admit this, but it's because... I built a safe connection. He was invested. There was emotion involved. He he looked at me as a human, as like a person that he cared about instead of a body to get off to. And this is the disconnect for men is I think it also connects to porn and just like using something to get off is it's like 
not as ah, the yeah. passion comes from the person. The passion comes from the fact yeah. that I like you, like you as a person I want. And that gets yeah. you going. And people don't just deny that. And that's my like appeal and why people enjoy having sex with me. Cause I'm like, yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah, of course there, there are certain times where it's like, there's no emotional of a connection whatsoever. And it's shit. I mean, like most of the time, if, unless it's like, I mean, no, that's, that's not true. Like you can have a one night stand and it can be really good, but there are times when it's like, there's literally nothing here. I just, there was like a purely physical thing and it didn't end up translating into great sexual chemistry. But I, yeah, I, I look, I agree. What I agree that like, if you have an emotional connection with someone, it's always way better. And if you I have think, problems with getting yeah. hard or a lot Call of you. that, Call try, Gaddy. I would say for men listening to this, if that is a serious problem, try it out where like you actually try to have a real conversation with the woman. I mean, not in like a not like say you're at a club, blah, 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 but trying to get like, like look at her as like a human, as someone that like is special in just any way. And I promise you it will help. Like, I don't, I just think having like a real conversation and getting to know someone a little bit, like D-Dog and I really only had to have a one hour conversation before I could have done it and he doesn't need to use the blue pill, but I guarantee he would have needed it if we did it like immediately. So... I mean, that's just the truth. I don't know. Try it out, some people. Mm. Yeah. I know. So, yeah, like, there are heaps of dudes that have problems with that. I've, I'm lucky I've never really had an issue with the old ED, but, um, you know. Yeah. We know that. It's <laughs> rock. <laughs> just ready to rock and roll. Morning and night, baby. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's advice no one will take. No, it's certainly good advice. I, I I agree with it. I think I think yeah. If you are if you are struggling with getting you know, if that's a problem, I would say, yeah, those emotional connections way better, way better. But the thing is, is it's hard to find those connections when you're not traveling. I typically only really find those like cool, like like real deeper connections with girls who I meet traveling when I'm in like hostels and stuff. When you, you basically skip the whole bullshit small talk when you're in a hostel and you like, you just start, you go straight into like the, you know, the in-depth conversations and stuff. Like even with Angel, like that first night in Manila, we were talking about really deep shit that I probably wouldn't have had a, had, it would have been like a date three kind of certain situation back in Australia. Or, what are your thoughts on dating apps? terrible i i have a strict rule absolutely not you cannot convince me one circumstance where it's good unless you are 60 years old or older and you're single go on eHarmony. but aside from that absolutely not i think it's like perpetuates everything that's wrong with dating and why i have trouble committing to one person is there's just this immediate gratification like constant grass is always greener oh my god so many men traveling and like have this thought where it's like oh my god amazing woman we connect so great but like i'm gonna go see if i could do better yeah i know i think as a girl though it's a completely different experience with dating apps like i would love to open up your hinge profile i'm sure it's like a hundred well like likes in waiting whereas for a guy even in like let's say an above average look guy in terms of looks it's like, I don't believe it's anywhere. Like, even if you're like an absolute nine, 10 out of 10 supermodel dude, you wouldn't have the same 
demand as you would as if you're like a sort of good looking girl just because guys are way more the guys are just thinking like one thing on hinge or tinder it's like get a match go for a drink take her home and their standards are typically a lot lower whereas women are just like i only want like the top one percent of guys or top ten percent of guys they're going to be six foot they're going to be six you know over six foot in shape like full head of hair all these like sort of standards that you know it ends up being like the top 10 percent of men end up getting like 80 percent of females. but in reality they probably would have connected with someone they would have never swiped right on or whatever. yeah absolutely dude how many times do you see a girl out with a guy under their arm who is just like average and they're just smoke shows and i'm like what the fuck me and like, you when we go what? out <laughs> no that's the other way around baby I'm just, it's, yeah, no, so exactly what you're saying. Like, you can, you end up finding someone that, you know, maybe it didn't tick every box on your list. It was, like, completely unrealistic. But you felt a type of way around them, and that's all that really matters is that, like, you felt that they just made sense. Why you're doing that? Why are you engaging with this? Like, using people like a, like, um, what would you say? Like, online shopping, in my opinion. It's honestly so... Well, it is online shopping. It's online shopping for dating. It's not close. It's a human connection. Get out there. All the time you're swiping, go out and have a conversation with someone at a cafe. Go somewhere. Try to engage with someone. Try to make eye contact on the street with a woman or a man and hold that eye contact for fun. Instead of swiping, just try it. Practice. The Being thing a is, right, Gabby, is that guys now are pussies. They don't know how to approach women. And I think simply because of Tinder and man and, uh, you know, and Hinge. What's your favorite, what's your favorite place that you've traveled to? Are you joking? Uh, Sri Lanka what? and Sri Hawaii. Sri Lanka is the top place you've been to. Are you serious? Hawaii and Sri Lanka are like even for different reasons. Hawaii is like my safe space, my healing, my beautiful, like little cocoon. Sri Lanka is the best place opportunity wise. Oh my God. I couldn't believe that. I wouldn't have thought you would have said Sri Lanka as like your favorite place on this planet to have been to. But hey, I mean, if you're this passionate about it, maybe I need to come and see you when you're there. I think you need to come uh, see me. Maybe. I mean, we'll maybe. see. Uh, Sri Lanka. But after my men leave. Because I, I think we should get back to that, though, is this is a real predicament where let's just go back to the story real quick. Where When I do arrive in Sri Lanka, which will happen this weekend, and I show up at the hostel and D-Dog's there and wants to have sex with me. But I want to hit up Joelle first. I'm, I want to hit up Joffrey. So hang on a second. This you are literally giving every guy, every nice guy, every good guy ammunition to be an absolute dickhead because you would rather have sex with the guy who completely blanked you completely ignored you completely did everything bad to you over the guy who's been nothing but nice to you nothing but good you guys had a great time so you would you've chosen the dickhead so you're literally reinforcing the belief that being a dick makes girls like you more no let me explain that's a soundbite let me explain this mic drop on your part However, I'm about to mic drop as well. <laughs> Good guy is vanilla in bed. Bad guy gives me the best sex I've ever so had in my that's, life. Oh my God. What are my priorities right now? What are my priorities right now? Good guy, don't be vanilla. Don't be vanilla. If good guy was not vanilla, I would pick good guy. And I'm being honest with that. But I'm not here for like, 
rainbows and butterflies. I'm here to have the best sex of my life. You are the walking symbol for why men tear their hair out of a woman. Sorry, Gabby. I mean, you know I love you and you know I, I think we agree on so many fundamental things, but the fact is is that after everything you've been you've you've been put through mentally from one person, you know, the constant uncertainty, the un no responding, the, you know, basically douchery moves, it's working. Like, yeah, okay, he's good at sex, but you're rewarding that. And that's the thing. It's that women won't admit that they actually like being fucked around. They won't admit that. You will admit that you, in, it, to people, to sort of virtue signal, you will say, I want someone that treats me, with, t treats me, with, treats me right, you know, he's a good guy, he's good values, blah, blah, blah. But then in reality, in, in, you know, you go for the guy that's fucked you around a little bit, that's, you know, maybe he's good in bed. Yeah, okay. I mean, I'm sure there are guys that are good in bed that aren't like that. But I'm just saying that it's reinforcing every stereotype that girls go for the bad boys that make them have a good time that that they, they that are good at sex and you know the nice guy i guess you know again finishes last um but and, yeah. i know what you're saying i think that women should ask themselves why they're going for a bad guy you like the sex it feels good and you want to keep doing it i totally i get that I, you know I've been with girls where I know that they're not the right girl for me in terms of like, I don't really see us being together, but I go back because it's like really good sex. Totally fine. I can totally appreciate that. The only reason I'm giving you shit is because it's, it just, it goes to show that like, even if on a fundamental level, you're a good guy with good value, whatever it is, and you get on with somebody, <clears throat> that girl that probably has a guy in her life who's the best sex of her life that she's constantly thinking about that probably treat her like shit. Facts. How does a guy get good in bed? Everyone has different needs. D-Dog could be someone's best sex ever. Someone could love D-Dog sex and be like, that's super satisfying. If you are someone, if you are a woman that likes not rough, you like to be patient and soft and a lover boy. D-Dog calls himself a lover boy. He calls himself just yeah, a sweet lover. lover boy. He's like, what's wrong? I just want to be a lover boy. I just want to get you off, make it off, and have a sensual, oh, romantic God. moment. Oh, that's even boring me. I mean, if you want to, like, have the odds of being good at, at sex, most men, if you do, where it's like, probably you're going to wow a woman, I think it would be... More intense. Being, more intense. like, I would say variety is so important, is, like, switching things up being that unpredictable being the one yeah being the one that grabs her and and does it and says you're going in this position you're going here and you'll be able to gauge if a woman's like more submissive or like not and if she's like totally vanilla whatever but i would just like be the crazy man that yeah because there are girls that probably would like prefer the passionate thing i get i know f i just could tell from the fucking moment we hung out in for the first time that that wouldn't be your style. So I could have oh, told you that really? for free, but I would say- Everyone has I been saying say, that. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not, that, it's, not that, it's not that difficult to tell that. You're just very a sexual person, but that's a good thing. I mean, same with even like Angel too. I mean, in terms of her openness about talking about these things. Like, I think when girls are really vocal and open about these conversations, typically they prefer like, something that's a bit more intense, a bit more, 
different than the norm. Whereas girls that are really like, oh my God, like we can't talk about that. They're like, obviously the ones that prefer like missionary on missionary on missionary. <laughs> but men are the other way around, I found. It's the men that talk big game and talk hype and talk about it a lot tend to be very vanilla and very like underwhelming. Okay. But it's the shyer ones that are a little bit like unassuming that don't talk about themselves as much that end up being these beasts these maniacs well it's false bravado right when guys over talk about how much they love doing so having sex and doing all this crazy shit it's like they really just a lot of the time it's overcompensating for the fact that you know they're probably pretty vanilla or they have a tiny wiener <laughs> well let's create a list real quick because if men are listening and you want to be good at sex in my opinion as the sex expert apparently i'm becoming in life five things guys can do to be Better in the sack from sex coach Gabby Simmons. But don't be something you're not. Again, if what I'm about to say doesn't resonate with you on a deeper <laughs> primal level, just continue being soft lover boy and you'll find your soft lover girl and then you guys will get divorced at 45. <laughs> that is a loaded, uh, loaded response. <laughs> yeah, yeah. However, but if this, if what I'm saying does, like, like pique your interest and go mm, maybe I would try it then maybe there is a beast inside you that can be brought to life and woken up and I found that with Joffrey he was someone he was like I'm not that crazy and I'm not that sexual but with you like I'm insane I feel like a beast that was like discovered himself and I just want to do things so men if you haven't and you're nervous or you're just like I don't know just go for it and like maybe you're going to discover a part of yourself that you didn't know us there. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah. So first off, I would say eye contact. I think that's super, super important. I think making engaging, right? And not just like staring. You're so beautiful. <laughs> That'd be weird if you're just constantly staring. Like when you go down on a girl, do not look at her. I don't like <laughs> Yeah, I think we see that one in the pornos and guys are like, oh my God, that's, uh, that's what girls like. All right, so num that was number one, perfect. Number two was don't look at, don't make- oh, No, 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 that is not number two. No, uh, number one is eye contact, except don't make eye contact when you're going down, downtown. Yeah, yeah. But girls, make some eye contact while you're, do you like that? From the girl's perspective, do you like when a girl looks at you when she's- Yeah. Okay, but not like the whole time. I mean, no, like, not the whole time. I don't mind. I don't mind a little bit of bit of eye contact. Yeah, one thing I do is I don't normally do it because I'm so invested <laughs> in the you moment. Just, you're just like, I can't multitask right now. Yeah, I can't multitask. This, this is happening. This is it. Anything else doesn't exist. Eye contact number one. That also goes hand in hand with when you're doing eye contact, like being able to read her by looking at her in the eyes. You're able to be like, okay, does she want this? Does she not that? I think number two is just being a little aggressive and taking the reins. I think that is a little underrated in my opinion. I think that women, like we've talked about where it's like men make it good sex. Women could be really good in bed, but if the man doesn't match it, it's not gonna be good. Like I would consider myself really good, but when I'm with a vanilla guy, it's like, what can I do? It's up to, yeah, no, totally. You are only as good as the guy lets you. Yes. And guys, remember that. And I think primally, 
like men like to take control and like even if you're not comfortable doing that like try it and see how it works because I find that it's pretty successful when men just like take the reins and you'll find that the girl like can breathe a little bit as well especially if it's a girl with a lot of masculine energy and intensity it's really nice for her to just be like oh my god yeah tell me what to do like got in this position lead the way lead it become the orchestrator uh number three Ooh, I would say focus on the the giving first. Like you will get yours. Men always get theirs. And I would just really focus on just like making this, like, do you know what I mean? How could you word it? I totally know what you mean. Yeah, like, you know, be a giver, not a taker first. I, I agree with that. I think like, <clears throat> I honestly think that like early stages and like when it's like a one night stand, every guy or okay speak for myself like i'm very much more of a, a giver um sometimes it's easy to when you get into a long-term thing that you get complacent and that's something i i made a reel about this today and i was honestly talking about myself when i was making it um about like getting complacent in relationships where you um you know you let yourself go emotionally you stop doing the things that you did at the beginning and then the girl quietly quits the relationship that I made it like a, a, a quietly video on quits. That. I like that quietly quitting we know yeah I mean and so <clears throat> so I totally get this I think um yeah like for the absolutely I totally where you get you coming from though like be you know be a giver first and personally I don't really care about receiving as much I think like some guys love that I'm not like as fussed about that. I mean, I kind of, yeah, like I like it, obviously. No, I don't dislike it, of course. I love it. I like it, but it's like not an absolute, like I'm not, I wouldn't walk away from one being like, fuck, it was shit because she didn't like give me head or anything. It was just like where some guys are really, in, so yeah, I think it depends, but. Just having that provider mindset where it's like, we're going into this, like it's, 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 it's like a her, like she is the centerpiece and I'm working around her. Like, I, I really like that idea. Uh, I think another one is, <clears throat> I don't know if this could be number four or not, but like, I just want to say passion and intensity. And like, like, you know, when you say about a girl and it's like, you don't have to be the best at head. Just pretend like you love doing it. Yeah, yeah. Be enthusiastic. That's the girl, the girls. Yeah. The, the, the top five tips for girls to be good is that top one and it's just be enthusiastic. Ha be happy to be there and you're good to go. Guys have a little bit more need, a little bit more work to do. Um, okay, so number four, be passionate, um, you know, and hot, like, yeah, be passionate. I would say that's a good one. Um, yeah, like put your energy, like immerse yourself into that moment. Okay, like say you're trying, you're yeah. you're trying to get over your ex, or like you have other thoughts and men are always thinking. About. Try not. Try to actually get tunnel vision and focus on this woman you've chosen to sleep with on this moment and enjoy it for what it is, and don't like let those intrusive thoughts come in. And I think that's where it comes, like focus, passion, drive. Like you're in it, and I think a woman can feel that. I know when a guy's okay. like in it, or when he's very like, good. Nah. Number five, one more. Oh, actually, yeah, well, I got a quick one though. So what happens if a guy finishes quickly? Quickly. Oh, ooh. Are you like expecting them to like keep you going, like finish you off or? I mean, I'm expecting them like take a, take a moment and like laugh about it. Go again. 
and laugh about it and and like the little be a little sexy be a little bit of like I'm just play it off as like I'm so overcome by you you're so hot like blah blah he's like but I give me five minutes and or like fuck five minutes I'm not 18 anymore baby oh I know but for me I'm still so young sometimes I'll like you know it'll be like maybe not as long as a normal session and maybe like it was a quick one and then they'll be like so like you know we're gonna go again I'm like baby honey I just I'm good like you know it's gonna take a couple hours no, that but, would be uh, equivalent of bad sex. Yeah, I'll be, no, totally. There's every guy has had that experience where you know you haven't put in a good shift. Like it's it's an, a very it's a clearly that clearly that it was all about the guy and not about the guy. And like that we're not we're not proud of we're not that stuff we're not proud of. But he's not proud of. An Israeli man made it well known though. After he's like, you deserve better than this. <laughs> I've never said that to a girl. I've never been like. After this, like, you deserve better than that. I'm sorry. Yeah, it happens though. I mean, it happens. Some guys, you know, you haven't, if it's been a while, like quick, you know, there's nothing you can really do. That's the thing. You know, it does, it is hard being a guy during sex because first of all, you got to get it up. And that's a problem sometimes even even of itself is actually getting it up. Then you've got to be good. So then you've got to actually know what you're doing and know your way around the anatomy and actually know where to, you know, how to actually maneuver all of it. And then even if you know all that and you get it up and you, it's all good, it's like, then you got to last the gong. So it's fucking not that easy. Yeah. And then you got, yeah, it's either one or the other. So you got to last a decent amount of time and then you've got to actually finish or make the girl finish. Um, so it is not a walk in the park. I think guys do have it fairly difficult when it comes to. But know that if old, you can master yeah. this skill, it's one of the best skills you'll ever have in your life, in my opinion. All right, guys, we're going to wrap up episode six there. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, as always, if you enjoyed the show and made it this far, please give us five star rating on Spotify. It helps us out a lot. Apart from that, we'll see you in the next episode.